You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. The fields make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? A late Tuesday night. We're going to squeeze this in before the midnight hour. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Coming to you, unfortunately, uh, on a very disappointing Buffalo Football Tuesday night. It was a big night, Ryan. Uh, I'm Matt Perino. He is my co-host, Ryan Talbot. And this was a this was a big night. This, was, this felt like a, a big-time game. And it, it felt like a different vibe around a team that is historically done pretty poorly in these primetime spots. And, you know, they were coming in here against the Titans team that hadn't practiced in two weeks and, you know, had a couple people on the COVID reserve list. And lo and behold, they come out here, lay a bit of an egg, 42 to 16, uh, the Titans roll in this one. What, what, what are your initial thoughts? Did you say they didn't practice in two weeks? Because if, if you didn't watch that broadcast at home, oh my goodness, I don't think you ever would have heard that. Uh, you know, that aside, that, that was ugly. That was just an ugly performance every phase of the game. Um, you, you know, after I published the report card, which is up on the site now, I gave straight Fs to the defense. Then I went back and I thought, well, a lot of that had to do with the offense too. It, it all worked hand in hand and in the worst way possible. Uh, the Bills gave up some great starting field position to the Titans, whether it be turnovers, whether it be uh, great returns on the Titans part on, you know, kick returns, punt returns, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it, it was just it just steamrolled. It just started off with this little snowball here and then it just went downhill and it turned into this mound for the Bills and they just couldn't overcome it. Um, like you said, they've been historically bad in these primetime games. Well, at least they were consistent there uh, and and followed through with what we've seen out of some past Bills teams. Um, thank you for joining us. If you're staying up late, if you're frustrated and you just want to, uh, you know, uh, shout at the moon, if you will, uh, we understand. Uh, this was a tough one to watch. I mean, you know, I, I know that, you know, this kind of start has crescendoed to this this big moment, this big game. And um, even if it had been played on Sunday, it was a big game against two undefeated teams in the AFC. And, and let's not forget, this is a Titans team that went to the AFC title game last year. And there were some deficiencies early on. We talked about them on the preview show, but this still looks like a team that's very formidable. That's going to be a factor in this conference. Uh, and so, 
yeah, this was a, a punch in the mouth. That's that's what we consistently heard uh, on the post-game uh, press conferences. I, I was able to listen to some of them as I drove home to get to get this thing uh, started. And the thing about this, the, this game, Ryan, is that the Bills came out and they did get punched in the mouth. They they had an initial response. They were able to go down and tie the game, score the, score the touchdown. But for the entirety of the 60 minutes, this looked like a group that was very – mentally um they just didn't seem locked in mentally it it seemed like um you know for all the things that they said last week and i know that we had this kind of rolling snowball of a lead up to this game it was this kind of situation where everybody was kind of looking around at each other waiting for somebody to make a play and i remember last week when josh norman made a play kind of turned the momentum of that game well that, that that big play never came. And let me just remind you before we continue, this is the Shout Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. I hope everybody had some good food at Tops tonight because uh, they weren't watching a lot of great football. No, not at all. Uh, and, and, you know, you said it really well. This was something that the Bills have never experienced before. Micah Hyde said it post-game tonight. He said, you know, in his career, he's never experienced anything like this with uh, will the game take place, will it get canceled? It's been pushed back. It, you know, uh, there's another positive test. What's going to happen now? So you don't want to make excuses for this team because it's the NFL. You need to come prepared every week, no matter the circumstances. But like you said, they were just kind of standing there waiting for something to happen. And, and no matter what phase of the, the the team we're talking about here, there just were no answers. Uh, Josh Allen did not look like the Josh Allen the first four weeks of the season. Uh, I think he was pressing without John Brown because they couldn't stretch the field. He was forcing some throws to Stefan Diggs, throws that he had not been making in those first four weeks for the most part, led to an ugly uh, interception there in the second half of the game. This run game cannot get going. It, it's been a, a disappointment all year long. Uh, and speaking of disappointments, look at that defensive line. You know, I, I had pretty high expectations for this unit coming into the season. Ryan Tannehill does not get sacked one time in this game. Not once. Uh, and, and then whenever they bring in pressure on the inside or, or whatever, you know, whatever you will, Tannehill is able to run free around the edge, pick up big gains. I think three for 39 and a touchdown. Uh, and then he was able to scramble and throw a little garbage time touchdown there too, because no one was covering or no one could get after him. So it, very uh, disappointing effort across the board. Even special teams had a really rough night. Andre Roberts, who's been uh, uh, under the radar MVP in this 4-0 start, had a really rough evening. Corey Bohorquez unleashed a, a great punt, but he still is having trouble holding the football on kicks. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what's going on there, um, but, you know, you can't really point to one phase of this game and say, well, hey, the Bills can kind of hang their hat on that because penalties, boneheaded plays, mistakes, you name it, the Bills did it on Tuesday Night Football. Well, you bring up a great point in, in the penalties, and I think that that comes down to, you know, coaching. And I think having your team ready to play, they say all the right things a lot of times. And listen, nobody sings the praises of what Sean McDermott has done to turn this thing around. Um but in a in a in a big spot like this, you know, some of the you know pre-snap penalties that he mentioned, those are things that you can't have happen. I mentioned going into this game, this was you have to win the turnover battle against a team like the Tennessee Titans because they don't beat themselves. And tonight, the Bills consistently shot themselves in the foot, continue to beat themselves. The Titans are now sitting at plus seven in four games this year in in the turnover differential. And when you are that efficient, taking care of the ball 
forcing turnovers, you're going to win games. And we saw that, you know, I, I did like, you know, this, I don't think the score was necessarily indicative of how closely the game was played necessarily. I know that's probably a weird thing to hear when you look at 42, 16, and it was, it was something where I feel like the, the Titans outplayed them, but look at total yards. And I, there were some garbage yards, but 370 to 335. The Bills were 13 of 17 on third down. They made plays in this game, 25 first downs to 23 first downs for the Bills. What was missing in this game was the big plays, Ryan. And I think that if you make, if you avoid some of those turnovers, if you make a few of the big plays that we're used to, and, and let's bring up who the Bills were missing. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tredavious White doesn't play. Matt Milano doesn't play. John Brown doesn't play. Those are three high-impact players that you could tell in, in both sides of the ball that we're missing tonight. Yeah, I'm going to start with Milano. Uh, I was talking with a friend recently who said, you know, Milano is going to lose out on some money in free agency because availability is so important. I said, well, you know, that may be the case. But if I'm Matt Milano's agent, I am sending the highlights of this game the highlights of that Miami game into Brandon Bean and every other GM in this league and saying, look at how bad this defense looked in the middle of the field when my guy was not out there. When he's not there, that middle of the field is wide open, and Ryan Tannehill took advantage of it on Tuesday night. He could hit anyone that he wanted in those short, uh, third and short situations uh, uh, or first down, pick up some sizable gains there. Matt Milano is such an important piece on this defense, and, and it's really showed this year when he has not been out there. Trey White, we all know how great Trey White is. He is a true number one cornerback in this league, and, and maybe he has not gotten off to the start that some people anticipated based on the season that we saw from him last year. Uh, but you saw what this defense, the secondary, looks like when he's not out there. Uh, Josh Norman being the number one cornerback, you know, no offense to Josh. He's had a really nice career, but hopefully Tredavious White's ready and available next week because that's not something you want to see again if you're a Bills fan. Uh, I thought some other guys maybe stepped up there. I thought Cam Lewis played pretty well. I, I noticed him a few times on the screen. But that secondary is really hurting. You lose Levi Wallace to the IR, a guy that was starting every game up until uh, that point. You, you lose Trey White, your number one. A.J. Brown was was pretty much open uh, all throughout the night and was able to, to haul in passes whenever Ryan Tannehill targeted him. So that was big. And then John Brown, you said it. The Bills did not stretch the field. Uh, there was that there was the drive where they did score, but there's like it almost felt like there was no sense of urgency when there was, but it was take the the shorter pass, take the eight yards, take the seven yards, take the the short run, and, and then the time just kept ticking off that clock. But you're right, the score is maybe not indicative of how of how close it was. If Quentin Jefferson is not called for roughing the passer, which it was a ticky tack call, I thought it was pretty much simultaneous with the throw. Um, but you know, in the NFL, they protect their quarterbacks. So if, if that doesn't happen, they throw that ball away and they, they settle for a field goal. And, and all of a sudden it, it looks a lot closer than it is. And the bills maybe have a better shot at that point, but you named it, you get them in a third and seven. Well, then the bills jump off sides and it's third and two or make some kind of boneheaded penalty. It, everything just any, anything that could have went wrong for the bills went wrong tonight. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm planning on writing about for tomorrow. But before I before we do, let's get a word from our sponsor. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win. So something that Sean said tonight really jumped out at me today. And he, you know, 
he said that was asked what's diagnose what's going on what's going wrong with this defense because if you look on social media right now during these games i mean and even before this you know in game two game three game four where you know the bills are winning these games and having big offensive performances you know you would think that the titanic is sinking with the way that this defense is playing if you're reading you know some comments i got text messages tonight about um you know how much it the defense quote unquote sucks and you know, I, I, it really got me to thinking, like, what, what diagnose this thing? What is going wrong here, Sean? And he basically said it, it comes down to a simple thing, and I know people don't want to hear it. Everybody's not doing their 111th. And I want people to really understand schematically, you know, how Sean McDermott's defenses have been so successful in his career. It's that he's able to get 11 guys to play as one, to understand their role in a scheme and just do enough. He said another thing that was really interesting to me. He said, guys have to realize that they have a job to do and it's, everybody's got to buy into that. And at the same time, even though you might want to, you can't try to do too much. And yet you wonder in a game like this where, you know, you, you're asking guys to kind of go out there, sell out, make some plays. If guys are going out there trying to do too much, not not remembering their 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 responsibilities. And that's what's maybe collectively getting them into trouble. Another thing. I remember when we started training camp and Sean estimated that the Bills lost almost 500 repetitions without mini camp, without OTAs. Those are valuable learning opportunities that I just don't think you can replicate in a virtual environment. And so you get into these games now and yeah, we're five games in, but from a rep count, how many, where are we really at this point? You know, where the, where guys, new guys like Josh Norman, even with his experience in the defense, Quentin Jefferson, Tyrell Dotson in, in, in some big spots, AJ Klein, um, Vernon Butler, um, AJ Epinesa, whoever you want to add on the defensive side, it seems like they're trying to develop or try to get up to speed and they just aren't there yet. No, I agree with that completely. Uh, and like you said, the whole 111 thing, and I'm not trying to call it Jerry Hughes because Jerry Hughes is not the only player that performed poorly, but we go back to Ryan Tannehill being able to go around the outside and run freely whenever he wanted to. A lot of the time it's because maybe Hughes was trying to do too much. Maybe his assignment was set that edge, make sure that uh, Tannehill can't run out there, but then he's trying to turn on the inside and he's not doing enough to get after the quarterback, and then Tannehill can run freely. Um, You saw it with the linebacker play. I think some guys are out of where they're supposed to be on the field. The cornerbacks, you know, Taron Johnson, a a guy that seems like we've brought up a lot already this year, has really struggled out there. He's uh, third and 19, they give up 20, and he was turned around right at the start of that play. So every player needs to do their part, and we're not seeing that. And like you said, there's a lot of new pieces on this defensive side of the ball, and without the uh, the normal offseason, they didn't get those reps. And the offense in general this year in the league, not just with the Bills, has been ahead of the defense. There's been a lot of high 20s, uh, 30-point games per year from these offenses where the defenses are struggling. And, and maybe midseason, the defenses finally catch up. So there is something to that. It's not just in Buffalo. It's across the league, and we're starting to see some guys flash. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the, the roughing the passer play. Well, Jefferson had made a, a nicer play earlier in that game to get the Titans off the field. And A.J. Epineza, before he jumped off sides, he had that nice play and run defense against Derrick Henry. So there, there's little signs here and there, but this has not been consistent enough in any phase of the game on this defensive side of the ball. Yeah. 
you know, offensively, let's talk a little bit about that before we uh, move on. You know, this running game is struggling right now. And, you know, this is a defense in the Titans that were giving up a league worst 166 yards a game in their first three games. Uh, Really just susceptible against the run. Jeffrey uh, Simmons was out today. Uh, He's on the COVID list. Uh, They got uh, their other defensive tackle back right before the game who was on the COVID list. And, And so you think that, you know, those two situations within their defensive front you know, Devin Singletary should have some success. 11 carries, 25 yards. I thought with the ball in his hands, TJ Yeldon looked like he was running it a little bit more meaningfully tonight. And not to put everything on Devin either, I I think that the identity of this offensive line in 2019 was the way that they blocked in the run game. And you, you look at some of the games and some of the runs that Frank Gore at 35 years old had last year, I thought a big reason why was how good this offensive line was in the run game. We're just not seeing that early on. No. And I, I don't want to sit here and say one player is going to make the difference, but I'm going to re- be really interested to see how they fare in the run game. When John Feliciano returns, he seems to bring that spark, that edge to this unit. Uh, but for whatever reason, like you said, they're not running with success. Even before, uh, you know, Yeldon had that really nice run in, in garbage time, but before that he wasn't even at that effective, but he picked up three, four yards per clip here and there. Uh, Singletary, I don't know if he was just kind of trying to make that first man miss too much instead of just hitting the hole and taking the yards that were there. But the offensive line, it's kind of flipped this year. I feel like they've been better in, in pass protection than in terms of run blocking. I thought that there were a lot of plays where Allen, you know, someone said it was like that Thanksgiving Day game on one play where he was almost like frozen back there for a minute because there was no one around him and he didn't have to move whatsoever. And then he was able to throw the ball down the field and get a decent gain and whatever that was late in the game. Uh, I, I think the pass blocking has been solid. The run blocking has been underwhelming. But at the same time, the effort from this run game has been lacking. And Singletary has struggled. Obviously, Zach Moss missed another game with this toe injury. TJ Yeldon, I, I thought that his role with when he was called upon, he did a fairly nice job tonight. But this is not what I think anyone expected from this uh, you know, rushing unit here entering 2020, what we were thinking we were going to see from this unit. Um, Josh Allen, 26 of 41, uh, 63.4% completion percentage. And I think that, you know, that's kind of a nice feather in his cap as you know, if you're, if you're a Bills fan that just wants him to kind of stay in the MVP race, uh, he was at sub 50% before halftime. Uh, they were able to, you know, get, get things kind of going in the second half in the third quarter there, uh, before just, you know, not being able to convert, uh, into points and, uh, 263 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 77.6 um, passer rating. You know, my thought on my thoughts on Josh Allen were I, I just think that he was missing a big piece in John Brown. I think that that's a big reason why plays down the field weren't there. But I think it's also tough when you're having guys have some drops in the first half, not able to get Cole Beasley involved, no targets in the first half, and you know, you're not able to, you don't have any of those big plays. And I just think that over the course of the game, the offense kind of stagnates a little bit. And then, by the way, throw on top of it, you're not able to run the ball. Um, I don't think it was necessarily his worst game. There were some really bad moments in this game. There were some interceptable passes. Obviously, uh, the two interceptions, the second interception was all on him. It was a really bad decision um, in double coverage. But, you know, it, it, 
it this is a good defense. I mean, we we saw what they did to Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year. This was never going to be some easy uh test or easy uh opponent for Josh Allen in this offense, but I think you need more, you know, as we move along next week against the Chiefs um from Josh Allen in this offense. Yeah, you know, in these first four games, the Bills have been able to get out to a lead early on. I think that says something or it does something for you when you're a quarterback of one of these teams. Even if it is just a seven-point lead, it, it kind of loosens you up a little bit. The Bills actually trailed in this game after that Andre Roberts uh, drop. It wasn't a perfect throw, but should have been hauled in. That led to the interception or that, you know, the bounce off Roberts' hands. Um, so you're already playing from behind at that point. Allen does answer back, though, with a touchdown drive of his own. But like you said, all of a sudden, those guys that have been hauling in just about every pass this year, they start dropping the ball. And those third and manageable situations that you've been in a lot, they're third and longer. Bills were very good on third down again today, but it wasn't as easy. It didn't come as easy to them. They weren't able to move the ball with big chunk plays like they were when John Brown's been in there. You mentioned Beasley being a non-factor in the first half, whether that was uh, simply, you know, the, the Titans doing something right or the Bills not trying to get the ball to him early on. So a lot of little things went wrong. But like you said, at the end of the day, the final stat line doesn't look bad, but there were some really dangerous throws where Allen was trying to force it into Stefan Diggs at times. Uh, there was that second interception where there's no excuse for that one. That was, that was more like rookie Josh Allen where he didn't see Malcolm Butler and Butler uh, made a good interception, but an even better return. Uh, on that play. So at the end of the day, this wasn't a total disaster for Josh Allen, but it also was not the type of play that we had grown accustomed to seeing over these first four weeks of the year. Don't write off Malcolm Butler quite yet. I talked a lot about how unimpressed I was with him in the first three weeks, and he made me eat my words tonight. Uh, I thought he played a really good game. Uh, Not a lot of big plays given up to this receiving core. And even on the 10 catches that Diggs made, they were really all kept in front of them. I mean, I thought the Tennessee, you know, used the Bills' defensive model pretty well tonight. Bend but don't break. Don't let, don't allow them to make big plays against you. And and we saw what what they were able to do there. One guy I want to talk about before we get out of here because I, you know, it, it's a bubbling storyline here on this team now, and that's Tremaine Edmonds. Um, he made a big play. I want to give him credit because he made a big play uh, on that third down where he broke broke up a pass, uh, forced the forced a punt and the Bills to get the ball. You know, th- those are kind of big plays you expect from your former first-round middle linebacker to make, especially with Matt Milano on the lineup. But other than that, I mean, we're talking about a guy that just looks like a completely different player than the guy that, you know, really started to pop, especially in the second half last season. And obviously he's playing hurt a little bit, and, and you wonder how hurt he still is. But, you know, on some plays, you're almost questioning the effort a little bit at times, and that's never a good sign. And, you know, how concerned should we be with Tremaine Edmonds and the, you know, perceived decline in his production and his play so far this year? I think it's a bit concerning, but you did mention he is playing injured, but it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. You know, first year, rookie year, one of the youngest players in the league, you expect that roller coaster, and that's what you ended up getting. Year two, still a little bit of a roller coaster early, but he wasn't biting on the play action as much. And by the end of the year, he had really improved. He made some significant strides, in my opinion. This year, though, I even felt like before the injury, there were some missed tackles. There was some plays where he was out of position. 
Um, and, and then, like you said, you know, I, I'm not sure if I, I, I'm not at that point where I've watched enough to say I question the effort, but something's wrong there. He's not making the same type of plays that he was after year two. And, and maybe it is the shoulder injury. Maybe that's what's holding him back right now. And he's trying to push through it. And kudos to him if that is the case. Uh, but I, I feel like he's really taken a step back from what we saw from him at the end of last year. One thing I think the Bills fans that are kind of cursing <laughs> a lot this evening after watching what they just watched, you know, this might be, you don't want to call it a blessing in disguise, but, you know, an early setback like this for a team with the kind of aspirations that the Bills have and their fans have of the team, it might be a good thing. I mean, I mean, this might be something like, you know, to kind of figure out, okay, this is a wake-up call, like, you know, these are the things we have to get better at. We have to be, you know, this is a reminder that we have to be more diligent when it comes to the mental part of the game, not taking silly penalties, really respecting the football. I know that's the fun cliche that Sean throws around, but it's it's true. In, in games like this, next week, you turn the ball over two times against the Chiefs and you're going to be in very deep trouble. And a, a lot of these teams that you're playing in the second half, I'm sure San Francisco will probably have it figured out by the time they play them. The Seahawks, we got a Patriots game coming up in a few weeks. That defense... Looks, of all the teams that are having defensive problems right now, the Patriots look like they have not missed a beat this season after what they did to Kansas City two weeks ago. So you'd almost hope that you, you never want a loss and you never want a lopsided loss. And, you know, we've all, you know, they've been around this team over the last couple of decades have seen the, you know, uh, humilities that have taken place on, on primetime, uh, in primetime spots. This, this could be something that they can learn from, they can bounce back from, and that seems to be the overwhelming um, you know, soundbite coming out of the Bills after this game. Yeah, you know, one thing the Bills fans are waiting for is for them to the Bills to beat a team, uh, a Super Bowl type team. Last year, yeah, okay, they won 10 games, it's great, but who did they beat? And that was the one thing that some fans kind of really uh were kind of banging the drum on. And it's every time they were supposed to lose, they lost last year to some of those teams, the Patriots and those upper echelon teams. This was a good test tonight. This was the team that was in the AFC Championship. It was a team that was coming off of uh, an extra week of rest, absolutely, two weeks to prepare for this team. But there is also the whole aspect of the lack of practice and everything going on around them, missing some key pieces. Well, Buffalo missed some key pieces too, but they laid an egg tonight. Bottom line, they were outperformed in all three phases of the game. They did not play Buffalo Bills football. They did not protect the ball. Um, so that's, you know, kind of now those people that are saying the same thing as last year, they didn't beat anyone. Well, now that's kind of in the back of their head. And now you have the Chiefs game. And like you said, the Bills play like this against the Chiefs and turn the ball over early. Those those scores, those drives are going to result in touchdowns most likely, and the Bills are going to be playing from behind again. Uh, and you have the 49ers and you have the Seahawks. The Seahawks are the one team that exposed the Patriots' defense this year, the, like the only team. That is done so. So you still have some really good opponents. And, and I think at this point, you just need to see the Bills beat one of those teams, those legitimate Super Bowl contenders year in, year out. So you can actually say, hey, I, I believe this team can actually make some noise in the playoffs. Do I think the Bills are still a playoff team? Absolutely. They're four and one right now. They have a Jets game coming up. They can beat the Patriots, in my opinion. There's some winnable games still on this schedule to get them into that playoff hunt. But this is now. You've been in the playoffs two out of the past three years. They need to take the next step this year. This is not another, let's just get in. You're expecting them to get in and at least win one game, in my opinion. Anything less than that would be a, a major disappointment.
Yeah. Um, I saw a comment in here that one, one, one week and a win against the chiefs changes everything. And that is definitely true. Four and one is still a great place to be uh, with the a perceived difficulty of this schedule heading into the season. And we're, we're going to have a lot more to, to say about this game next week's game as we move on through this week, a tough one, a late one. Uh, but we will be back either tomorrow or Thursday. We're working on a few things. Uh, I, I don't want to jinx it, but I think we're going to have Jeremiah Searles on again, uh, who was an absolute beast last time he was on uh, to break down this these first five weeks of the Bills season. Um, hopefully working that out for tomorrow. If that doesn't work out, we'll, we'll go another direction. Maybe for Thursday, give us a little breathing, breathing room. Uh, and then we'll be back on Sunday night to preview the Monday night game against well the money Monday dinner game as Ryan as Ryan coined it um final thought final thought Let, let's turn the page on this game if you're a Bills fan uh if you're a Bills player obviously too and start preparing for this Chiefs game because as good as the Chiefs are on offense uh th there are some issues on that defensive side of the ball where I think the Bills can have a much better outing in you know both phases of the game so they need to put this game in the back of their minds or not in the back of their minds. They need to get it out of their minds altogether and just kind of start preparing now for another major test here on Monday night or Monday dinner time. <laughs> well, there you go. And we will see you for that. And if you are listening right now, watching the live episode of the shout football podcast, we are so grateful, but also find us on all of your audio platforms, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple, subscribe rate and review it really helps us out we will be back maybe tomorrow maybe thursday we'll see stay tuned uh, i'll tweet about it uh tomorrow and make sure you head over to syracuse.com newyorkupstate.com tomorrow we'll have full uh fallout coverage from today's game and you know we'll likely hear from sean and in the, in the in the coordinators tomorrow as well so have a great night uh enjoy the rest of your tuesday all 30 minutes that are remaining and we will see you very soon thanks guys Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.